Welcome to BME Culture Happy Hour, our roundtable podcast about what we are learning, doing, and creating. I'm Joe Ledoux. I'm the Associate Chair for Student Learning and Experience in BME at Georgia Tech. This, in this week's show, we will learn how undergrads get research lab opportunities. And as always, and I'm not sure if my guests know this yet, but we will close the show with what's making us happy this week. <laughs> so stick around. We're taking a tour through life as an undergraduate researcher this week, but before we get started here in the historic BME Learning Commons podcast studio, let's go around the table. Say your name and what you do here in BME. Uh, my name is Charisma Gupta. I am a fourth year BME and I research at the Barker Lab. I'm Will McAllister. I'm also a fourth year BME and I was in the McDevitt Lab here at Georgia Tech. All right. Awesome. I don't know who, who all wants to go first, but how did you, let's start with Charisma. Okay. How first. did you get, yeah. How did you get involved in research? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I decided, um, based on some uh, previous experiences of some of my friends, to apply for the Petite Scholars Program. Um, the director of the program is Kali Mitchell. Um, and so I consulted her, and I saw the application went out. So I decided on a whim to apply. Um, and then I actually heard back from a professor, um, Dr. Thomas Barker, um, I was taking his class 3600 and he happened to be the faculty mentor of the Petite Scholar Program and had read through my application and took a special interest in me as an applicant um, and tried his best to match a project to my interests. Why did he take a special interest in you? Um, I think I was performing well in his class and um, I stood out as a candidate. Um, so I think it's really important to write a strong personal statement and um, have a little bit of research background. Um, even if you don't, um, it's good to jot down some techniques you've learned in class. Um, and that way you can demonstrate that you have some knowledge basis. So the way I got into the lab actually was via a friend. Uh, when I was a third year here at Tech, I was approached by a friend who had been in this one research lab, the McDevitt lab, since about her freshman year and said, hey, we have an opening in our lab. If you're interested, uh, we'd definitely love to have you. So went onto the lab website, filled in the quick like apply now uh, application and then heard back a day or two later and been my grad student. But uh, went in, that lab ended up progressing me further, and I actually was able to go to San Francisco with the lab uh, for a summer. I did an internship, and they actually helped me take my research and go to present at the National BMES conference uh, this past year, which is really cool. But uh, by showing interest in my friend's work since freshman year, because she was doing uh, cardiomyocyte uh, research, so she was working with heart cells, which I thought was just super cool. She was like, hey, you seemed interested in this, so the interest kind of paid off just shaking hands and making connections. Awesome. All right. So, I mean, these are very specific stories for you guys, but are there, can you sort of generalize a little bit? Because not everyone is going to be in the class of the director of the scholarship program. So (laughs) what are some, some ways to find out, you know, opportunities in research? So one of the initial biggest ways is just checking your emails. The advising team sends out a lot of opportunities, especially recently about people looking for undergraduate research assistants. And this is a very good way of making an immediate connection of knowing people that will in fact need researchers. Another way is to just keep your ear out because you'll hear a lot of times in your classes from some of your TAs who are either undergraduate assistants or actual graduate students who are saying that they need help in their lab or they could use a couple extra hands on deck. Uh, and then the other way is just if you have any thoughts of a type of research you'd like to get involved with, 
just check out professors' websites and find out what their lab actually specializes in. And then if you take an interest in that, go ahead and shoot some emails to either the professor or also the graduate students, because you might get a response quicker if you send to a graduate student than the professor. And then kind of just test your luck and keep keep sending out the emails because they don't always respond. But the more options you send out there, the more likely you have a chance to get a hit. I think in addition, um, talking to uh, any uh, classmates that you have, um, especially upperclassmen, I actually got two more of my fellow friends to get into the Barker lab because I know my gra- the graduate students in there were looking for people. Um, also approaching the professor in class of the person that the class that you're taking um, that also um, they might have some openings. And if you express interest in a particular research field that they talk about in class, um, they might be able to take you under their wing. Um, I mean, I think one from a professor's perspective, um, <laughs> you definitely don't want to be dissuaded like if your emails aren't returned because uh, we get a lot of emails so it falls through the cracks so i think your idea of talking to graduate students is a good one um, or other other students in the lab yeah that's awesome did you guys ever have to interview with the professor i never had an interview with the professor i kind of had a air quotes interview with my graduate student just to kind of make sure that she would be she would like to work with me uh kind of because you can come off one way in a uh, in a resume, but also just to get a real perspective in person of this is what the lab's like, this is what you would be doing, and also so she could get a feel out for me uh, just before she solidified uh, just being in the same boat as me before beforehand. So. Yeah, when I applied for the scholars program, we had to mutually interview each other, so we would pick two or three projects and interview the graduate student. So it was an interview for you and also an interview for the graduate student. And it's really important to make sure that you match and connect with your graduate student because that makes your experience in the lab, which is a lot more than just doing science at a lab bench, um, just making that more enjoyable. So um, how did you, what kind of advice would you give for, I mean, I guess we sort of touched on this already, but in terms of approaching faculty or graduate students, if you're interested in getting into their lab, do you have any specific tips or things not to do or, or things you should do? So the biggest thing I'd say is express like your desire to be in that type of environment and also that type of research. If you're just kind of looking for a research lab just to be in a research lab, odds are you're probably not going to find one. But if you have the specific passion for, let's say, like working with heart cells and doing cardiovascular research, then talk about how, like why that interests you. And if there, if you've done any past like work on, oh, maybe you did a project in another class related to that and just really sparked your interest, then show that interest to them and kind of talk about how you think it relates to their work. And they'll be more likely to want to work with you then except unless it's just some person that just generically is looking for any old lab to work along with um starting off at a younger age like freshman or sophomore year really helps because they like long-term commitment um so if you do express that you know you would like to be there for longer than a semester they actually really enjoy people who show a commitment to begin with um also not mentioning that you are just doing it for credit because i think that's a big turnoff for a lot of people who are spending five to six years of their life trying to do a research project. Yeah. And if you are really interested in going to graduate school, that really helps out because a lot of people are doing it just to get the experience of being in a lab versus actually doing this because they want to do it in the future, mm-hmm. which is also a good point about trying it early because you find a lot if you get into a lab and you like it, but it's not quite the thing you really would like to start studying researching. There's always a chance to find other labs f- further on, but if you don't realize that till you're a third or fourth year, then it's kind of a little too late in the game. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would say though that uh, if you can get into a research lab, it's definitely better than not being in one. So um, I wouldn't be too worried about getting exactly aligned with yeah, you. Yeah. And you can sort of get yourself interested in yeah. almost anything. So, mm-hmm. But it was interesting when you talked about the passion thing, because you know, how do you, what does that mean exactly? And you mentioned a couple of things, um, connecting it to prior experiences <laughs> and why you're interested in this. But another thing that you might try um in the listening audience uh, would be to, you know, try to read a couple papers. Uh, It's, you're not going to understand a lot of it more than likely, but you can particularly the intro and and discussion parts, you can get a feel for what they're doing and why they're doing it. And you could, you know, just ask intelligent questions that shows a lot of, that you've already put a lot of time into. Mm -hmm. What kind of advice do you have to get, once you get your foot in the door and you're in the lab and you're working, um, what tips do you have to get the most out of that experience? So one of the immediate things is just, it's going to be a, it's a good time commitment. So putting in the time and effort and actually striving to want to figure out more information. It's one thing to just kind of go through the motions and sort of step along because your graduate student or the professor you're working with will easily give you a task and be, and say, these are the step-by-step instructions this is what you got to do, do it. But if you want to get more out of the experience, definitely try to d- delve deeper into what those different parts are. Cause once you start learning them, having a stronger aspect of knowing what you're actually doing and what's actually going on biologically, then you'll really be able to start understanding everything that's going on and possibly you'll be able to move on and actually have your own project mm-hmm. in the end, which a lot I know a lot of students uh, were able to do their own thing after a while because the lab started trusting them to, to do it. I think blocking off big hours of big time blocks in your in your uh, schedule would really help. Um, so you can spend an extended amount of time with your graduate student in case you get stuck anywhere. Um, that that was something that I didn't do at first that I regret. And now I do it for sure since I started researching. Do both of you work in sort of labs that do a lot of work with cells? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't. That is not, it's hard to plan around that. Could you say something about that? Absolutely. Um, cell culturing, um, you have to be very uh, gentle with them. Um, sterility is a big issue, and it's a huge time commitment once you start something. And unfortunately, in the BME curriculum, we don't actually experience that until 3610, um, which often happens your senior year. Um, but, you know, a procedure could easily take four to five hours at best, and you will have to be there at all times. Yeah, think of it kind of like babysitting or taking care of a puppy. You can't just kind of let them go do their thing for a while. You kind of got to nurture them and be with them for a while. But there are times when you may be there for 20 minutes and do a task, but then have to wait another hour and a half to and then come back and do the exact same thing. And another thing is coming in on the weekends yeah. with cell culture and other things that have very set time parameters coming in the weekends do happen. It may not be for the in, an entire day if you're lucky, but it can happen as well. Yeah. Planning is a big thing because as Will said, it's like taking care of a puppy. You do have to feed them at certain time intervals and you have to make sure that they're healthy. And, you know, we both work with stem cells, which are the gentlest of the gentle. Um, so making sure contaminations don't happen because things that you use are pretty expensive. Tell me a little bit about like, what are you getting out of this? Why are you doing this? Oh, out of research? Yeah. I really, so I was doing particularly uh, neuronal cell research, so stuff to do with the brain and the nervous system. And it was really fascinating because to me, that was one of the reasons why I liked the lab so much because we were doing early developmental 
kind of analysis of the nerves forming and kind of directing stem cells to become nerves, which is just really interesting to me because you can take neurophysiology here at Tech or different neurology courses, and you'll kind of see there's a lot of uh, blank pages in your textbook. Like they'll say, we think this is how it happens, or we really have no idea. So that was really fascinating to me. And that's what I kind of got out of it was kind of having my hand and being able to sort of uncover some of these mysteries. And it was just a great experience to kind of, it was sort of like a part-time job also, and I hadn't had a job previously. So being able to have that experience of kind of knowing I have to come in at these amount of these times, I have my graduate student who's kind of like my boss looking over me. And it was a really cool experience with that, as well as just getting involved in research, because having that aspect does help out in a lot of courses in the BME curriculum like 3610, 3600, uh, and 3110, a lot of other, a lot of other classes just like that are, it helps out a lot. So. Yeah. Um, I think the neat thing and fascinating thing about it is, um, you will always be doing something new. And, um, I think the graduate students take a lot of time to make sure that they're doing something unique for their thesis. Um, and, so many things are unknown, as Will said. Um, a lot of different projects can branch out of one, and that's how mine came about. Um, my graduate student was actually about to leave and defend, um, and she came up with a microgel fibrin system, um, which is an ECM extracellular matrix um, protein, um, which binds a lot of cells together. Um, and she wanted to apply this technology for vascularization. Um, after her animal study, um, Dr. Barker wanted to coordinate with Emory and see if the same technology could be applied for the heart tissue after cardiomyopathy, which is usually happens after a heart attack. So tissue regeneration is a very new field. Um, the cells that I'm using were discovered less than 10 years ago. So I'm one of the few people actually working and getting my hands on with these cells. And, um, I mean, that's, that's the cool part is I'm doing something completely new and, um, my, my PI, my primary investigator, he comes up to me and asks me the real questions because I am the only one in the lab who understands what's going on. That's awesome. Awesome. So, hey, are you guys going to grad school? Uh, hopefully med school, uh-huh. but we'll see where the path kind of leads me. Yeah, same. Um, I'm actually applying for a couple of research grants after graduation to see if I can do that for around a year um, and then probably go to medical school. No thoughts of NDPHC? <laughs> I had thought of it, uh, but actually, so I had a, I, when I was doing a research internship this summer at UCSF, the Gladstone Institutes in San Francisco, uh, there's a lot of MD, PhDs there. And in talking to them, they were more focused on the research aspect than the practicing. And if I do become an MD, which hopefully will happen, I'd still like to be involved in research, but not be, that not be my sole kind of uh, track. It's never too late either. You can always start off as an MD and then add on the PhD later. Have you guys had to do interviews for med school or write personal statements that has, has, has your experience <laughs> in the lab make that process easier? Yeah. Um, well, I think both of us are taking a gap year. So um, in terms of what I've been applying for, they're both research grants and writing a personal statement out of the struggles I've gone through in research, which you will most definitely experience. Um, I would say it's probably about 10% success and 90% failure. Um, so it's having a lot better than what I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's being, <laughs> that's being a little po- too positive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, trying to make the best out of that situation um, is, you know, it works against human nature. Um, and 
just being that type of person who can work through that and see the positives to that. Um, it, that's why research is such a great experience is you can find the positives even out of the failures. Yeah. And I haven't had direct graduate school, uh, like interviews yet either. But for me, I've had a couple of job interviews mm-hmm. and was able to definitely talk upon my research experience as one I mentioned before about how it is sort of like a job, which definitely was a very beneficial aspect, but also just showing your way of taking information and interpreting it outside just that face value. Because it's one thing to just have that book knowledge of, oh yeah, a stem cell is X, Y, Z, but knowing when you do it in this condition, because of this pathway, we're getting these types of results, things that aren't written out that every single person in your major or just any engineer knows. So that's a very beneficial part of research is just discovering and getting to know this way of being more intuitive and discovering things for yourself. All right. Well, I think we're getting close to the end of our time. You guys got anything else you want to share? Do research. It's great. Yeah, Yeah. I don't regret it at all. So now it comes back to our regular end of podcast event, which is what's making us happy. (laughs) So that's our favorite segment. Um, Go ahead and tell me. Uh, What made me happy initially was first off being done with some of the big assignments I had at the beginning of the week. And then our little mini blizzard we had yesterday. That was that was pretty fun to walk through, I do have to say. But so that, that kind of made me pretty happy, I guess. Yeah, I went to the Humane Society and visited some puppies. So that made me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> it was after my biomaterials test. Uh, puppy, puppy therapy is always puppy a good therapy. one. <laughs> and the snow. Yeah. I don't know what's making me happy. I haven't thought about this. Like, making this podcast with you makes me happy. There we go. <laughs> so, okay, I guess that's it for uh, this podcast. So um, we would like to hear all of your questions and comments on this Hopefully soon we'll have a place for you to do that. And so thanks for all of you guys for being here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks all of you for listening. Oh, and by the way, we have a new website, which I'm calling Dr. Ledoux's Whiteboard. And there's a forum there. So you can put your questions there if you'd like. So that's it. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.